1: Energy, or is it Desmond Howard? I don't know if you heard <laughs> what he said on college game day, but I just want to know what you think. No, nah, man, you, you <laughs> said my name right, so you said so you say it better. <laughs> yo, 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 welcome to RG3 and the Ones presented by Way Sports and Entertainment. I'm your host, Robert Griffin III, aka RG3. Some of you may know me as a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, at Baylor University. Others of you may know me as the Pro Bowl rookie of the year quarterback for the Washington Commanders, but I'm also the guy whose mistakes turn into touchdowns. That's right. And you might catch me every Monday this month wearing a pink suit on Monday Night Countdown for breast cancer awareness, because we want to make sure everybody is taken care of. Go get your screenings and make sure that you are completely healthy. And for us, we need you to subscribe to our page on YouTube and go download or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, because we're going to be dropping new episodes every single Thursday. And if you want to keep up to date with what's going on, all you gotta do is follow us on our social media handles at RG3 and the ones. Again. Follow us at RG3 and The Ones so you can get the daily clips that we gonna be dropping to keep you excited about what's to come. But first, coming up on this episode, the one who will be joining me is the one that's got that big Penix energy. That's Michael Penix Jr. I'm so excited to have that conversation with him after his huge Heisman moment victory against the Oregon Ducks. But first, ooh, there's so many things that we gotta get to that happened during week six. Of course, the number one question on everybody's mind is the downfall of the undefeated. That's right. San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles both lost. I mean, listen, guys, it's football. But when you want to talk about being a top team in the league and losing a game that you're really not supposed to lose, I just feel like sometimes in the media, we spend way too much time talking about the team that lost. Like, what did the San Francisco 49ers do wrong in order to lose the game? What did the Philadelphia Eagles do wrong to lose to the Jets? And I'm going to take this time to focus, really, on the team that won. The Jets are 3-3 three three right now with their backup quarterback, Zach Wilson, leading the way, just like everybody thought they would be. No, not exactly after the Jets lost their second game or third game, it was like, man, the sky is falling in New York. Aaron Rodgers is gone. The season is going to be a doomsday, a fest. And Robert Sala just said, you know what? We're going to stick with Zach Wilson. He gives us the best chance to win. Zach Wilson's job as the starting quarterback now, but inherently as the backup before, is simply to take care of the football. And he did that in this game. He made enough throws down the stretch and he got their best offensive weapon involved in Garrett Wilson. Something that we have been lacking throughout this year is those two being on the same page and being able to impact the game. And Zach Wilson figured that out. He got Wilson involved. They ended up winning the game. And I think for me, with the Jets, we don't ever show kickers love. Right, But Greg Zerlon, he's made nine kicks over the past two weeks. He's as big of a reason to the Jets being in the thick of this as anybody else. So shout out to the kicker for doing that. And when I look at both P.J. Walker and I look at Zach Wilson, Zach protected the ball, and I think that's a big reason that the Jets had an opportunity to win with the way that their defense was playing. And it just makes it so much more uh, understandable or mind-blowing that the Browns were able to win with P.J. Walker hurting the team with those two interceptions. The Browns actually lost the turnover battle. And over the course of football history, teams that lose the turnover battle typically lose the game. I'm just going to say that the analytics are probably in the favor of the team that wins the turnover battle. So for the Browns to lose that, and their quarterback to not play that well at the position and still find a way to beat a San Francisco 49ers team that we have a likened to Marvel's Avengers is absolutely mind-blowing. So I got to tip my hat to the Cleveland Browns. I think they deserve the credit for what they're doing, and I tip my hat for sure to New York Jets because everyone thought they were a fish out of water When we saw Aaron Rodgers, Taylor's Achilles on that fourth play of the game in the season opener, and they fought and clawed their way even without their two best corners to be right there in playoff contention. So just an amazing coaching job by Kevin Stefanski for the Browns and obviously Robert Sala for the Jets. But when you talk about backup QBs, right at at a point in my career, I was a backup quarterback and I was the backup for Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson. There in Baltimore. So everyone wonders, like, what is the life of a backup quarterback like? <laughs> and I can tell you, it's like being a therapist, 1,000%. You got angry receivers because they're not getting the ball. You got angry running backs because they're not getting the ball. You got angry offensive linemen because the starter's not getting the ball out fast enough and he's putting stress on them to be able to have to block longer. You got angry coaches that are so fired up in the moment that on game days, more times than not as the backup quarterback, you're the one that has to be that bridge between the starter and the coach, because sometimes coaches get so worked up and they see things a certain way and they don't know how to approach the player in the heat of competition the right way. And that's why you see a lot of blowups on the sideline between coaches and players. We're all eight type personality people. So We all get a little bit of an attitude when things don't go our way or the way that we thought they should have. So for me as a quarterback in the room with Joe and Lamar, it was awkward. Let's just call it what it was. Joe is the Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Ravens, went on one of the most unbelievable postseason runs we've ever seen at the quarterback position to go win that Super Bowl. And Joe did it in a contract year. So not only do they win the Super Bowl, but he bet on himself and they won the Super Bowl. So since that moment, the Ravens have been struggling, Uh, you know, get into the postseason, having postseason success. So they drafted Lamar. They brought me in at first to be in that room with Joe. And then they drafted Lamar and really kept me there to help be a mentor for Lamar Jackson. And Joe, I'll tell you now, man, there's probably not many quarterbacks that throw a prettier ball than Joe Flacco being six, six big arm country, strong, you know, went to Delaware. He could drop it in the bucket from 65 yards away. It was unbelievable. You know, I haven't, I haven't seen very many quarterbacks that can do that, but for him and Lamar, it was more of learn from my example. There's a viral clip that was going around in 2018. This is Lamar's rookie year and it's me and Joe on the sideline coaching Lamar up about a certain throw and when to make that certain throw. And and in that moment, I was doing what I normally do every single week with Lamar, talking about these different throws because I I played in six offenses in eight years in my NFL career. So I know almost every system in the NFL and had to learn them quickly. And the common denominator in every single system is the fact that how you throw certain balls Is the same whether you call it a nine route, whether you call it a seven route or you call it a hook or you call it a post. It doesn't matter. So that was my focus with Lamar. And in that moment, Joe jumped in and started teaching Lamar things there on the sideline. And I was like, oh, we're really going to go somewhere now because that was like the first moment that our entire room was like on the same page of we got to help. Lamar do everything that he needs to do to help us win games. And it's not about self in that moment. One of my greatest accomplishments as an NFL player wasn't us winning the division in 2012 or being rookie of the year or being a Pro Bowl QB. One of my biggest accomplishments was in 2019 when Lamar Jackson won MVP. And I got to be a part of that you know, got to be a part of that, watch him grow from being a rookie to a second year player, watching him go from being the guy that was, you know, supposed to be the next guy to being the guy and just obliterating the league in 2019, winning the MVP, throwing for, I think, 36 touchdown passes. To be a part of that and watch his growth over that time period, I'm very, very proud of that because I never had that in my quarterback room when I was the starting quarterback for the commanders, I never had that type of support. A guy that had been through what I had been through, had had played the game the way that I played the game and could help me understand certain things at a, at a better clip faster and then not repeat those same mistakes. Lamar got that. He got that from a, Super Bowl winning quarterback in Joe Flacco. And he got that from a guy like myself who played the game the way that, that he played it from a dual threat perspective. Nobody plays a game like Lamar. He's, he plays Lamar ball. But the ability to know when to use your legs, when to keep yourself safe, how to throw the ball at the NFL level, all those things I had been through, Joe had been through, and we were able to articulate that to Lamar in a very – Unique, special way with two guys in totally different areas. Joe was at the top and it was going to be ending for him in Baltimore. I was at the very bottom and just building my career back up. And Lamar was right there at ground zero. And to be able to be a part of watching him go from people wanting him to play wide receiver, move to running back or return punts to be in one of the most dynamic forces at the quarterback position we've ever seen in NFL history, I take no credit for what he's done, but I certainly am proud to have been a part of it. Self-care and recovery is important, especially if you're an athlete or, you know, if you're in your 30s and you know, hitting a little harder than you thought it would. And soaking in Dr. Till's to recharge your muscles helps to speed up your recovery so you can be at the top of your game. And we do mean in all aspects of life, people. So, of course, myself coming off of calling a game on Saturday, having to do all the study on Sunday, doing Monday night countdown. On Mondays, I just have to get back. And before I come on this show on Tuesdays, just soak in the tub, try to recharge myself so that we can have a great time together in this safe space. And of course, you know, sometimes you got to just run that bath for wifey as well. When she's, you know, chasing the kids, all four of them, little rascals around all day. I'm telling you, some of that Dr. Till's poured in that tub. Get it all nice and hot for her. She will thank you later. No doubt about it. It's time to work hard to recover just like the pros do. Grab Dr. Teal's Epsom salt soaps today and elevate your game. Let's go. This week's episode of RG3 and the ones is sponsored by True Classic Tees. You know, I'm a big stepper when it comes to the fashion game. So I gotta, you know, put you guys on a little bit. True Classic completely changed the game on how t-shirts fit, creating a looser fit in the gut. And tighter fit around your shoulders. The fabric feels like butter. I mean, you get it, not butter with an er, but butter with an a, and makes for a comfortable base layer on chilly days. Because you know, you don't want to just look good, but you also want to feel good. Their new comfort jeans are my go-to though. They've got that classic look with the four, you know, four-way stretch, tapered just right, you know, a bit of a stretch in all the right places. Whether I'm, uh, you know, keeping it casual or popping out on the red carpet, these jeans come in a range of colors to fit any mood or occasion. But seriously, whatever you choose, you can't go wrong with true classic. All their clothing is designed to be versatile and work with your lifestyle so you can look and feel your best all damn day. In fact, True Classic is so committed to their products, they even have a 100% risk-free guarantee and easy returns because they know you're not going to send it back once you see how fire you looking. So make sure you shop now at trueclassictees.com backslash RG3 and for 25% off, use code RG3. Again, Go shop now at trueclassictees.com backslash RG3. And for 25% off, use code RG3 and get yourself swagged out. All right, now let's get to our guest conversation. And that means it's the one and only Big Penix Energy. Yeah, baby. We talk about Michael Penix Jr. He's your Heisman front runner right now. And I always say he's a lefty, but he throws it just right. So I want to welcome him to the show. The man of the hour, Michael Penix Jr. Appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate you having me, man. Good to see you. Good to see you too. And uh, we saw each other earlier in the year. Uh, got a chance to call your Boise State game. Of course, you balled out. Uh, and, and at that point in time, I, I had also said that you guys had the the best receiving core in the nation. And I thought that you were already uh, at the top of the Heisman list. But before we get into some more of that, you got to tell me, bro... Um, Who's who says your name better? Is is it me or is it Desmond Howard? I don't know if you heard uh, Desmond and what he said on college game day, but I just want to know what you think. Nah, man, you you said my name right. So you said so you said it better.
0: (laughs) He, He said my name wrong, but it's all good.
1: Listen, I don't know what was worse. The fact that he said your name wrong, which was bad or his like his his rhythm. Like hey, I thought, you made a song out of it. <laughs> I thought Dan's had a little better rhythm than that. You know what I'm saying? Watching him do all the Heisman stuff. I'm like, come on, man. But hey, uh, let's just say I'm, I'm sure he got a tap on the shoulder about that little ordeal. Um, <laughs> but how do you feel? I asked you this before, but uh, just, just for everybody at home to know, how do you feel about the Big Penix Energy nickname?
0: Yeah, man, it's cool to me, you know. As long as it's like not out of like disrespect, right? You know, it's always like about that with my name. Like I understand, I got, I got a unique name, but right. as long as it's respect behind it, and it's nobody disrespecting my name and uh, what I stand for, it's cool.
1: Yeah. So when you when you talk about that, I know that you you've actually used you know that nickname and that slogan uh, in like an NIL type of way. Um, how 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 cool has that been for you to be able to indulge in that type of stuff now?
0: Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. The NIL world is crazy, but you know, it, it's cool. It's cool to be able to do that and
1: um man, appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this before. Uh it was last year during you guys' game, I believe it was against Michigan State. Uh you were I we came into the game and I was telling the whole crew, I'm like, Yo, man, I've been watching tape. <laughs> Michael Penix Jr. is the real deal. Like he is He is that guy. He can make every single throw on the field. They're kind of looking at me like, all right, man, whatever, whatever. We get in the middle of the game. I promise you it was like a couple minutes before halftime, and my producer got in my ear and he said, you were right about Michael Penix Jr. This guy needs a nickname. I'm like, man, what's the nickname going to be? I don't know. What can I come up with? And like on the spot, I just said, Big Penix Energy. And it took off from there. Uh, But I I thought it was really cool to see you be able to to use that NIL and do a bunch of other things with it. Is there anything else that you're doing uh, in NIL that everybody should know about? As
0: far as NIL, not too much, but um, I I am doing some stuff like as far as like within the community, you know, um, I partner, I partner with uh, working with Mary's Place. It's a place downtown in Seattle that that feed homeless families and and give them shelter and somewhere to stay in. You know, I, I've been a part of that, and I, I've done collabs with other guys, other people to, to push that um, organization and, and show my support and show my, you know, that I, I, I see it, and you know, I see the movement and see what they're they're doing for these families and helping them in a positive way. Wow, so I, man. So part of it is me getting tickets. So I get four tickets, four okay. tickets for a family, you know, so they can come see a game and give them food vouchers and stuff like that and j- just so they can have that experience, you know.
1: Oh, man, that's awesome Uh, to be able to use NIL in a way to give back. uh, You know, you're just adding more and more ammunition and more fuel to people that continue to root for you, man. Uh, When you when you think about like your first couple of years in college compared to now with all the changes, um, is that probably the best thing about NIL for you is the ability to give back in a way that's impactful?
0: Yeah, for sure. For me, you know, because, you know, I've had people that would give back to me as well, you know, growing up and, you know, I see like when I got out to Seattle, you know, I seen like the amount of homeless people were here, you know, downtown and stuff like that. And, you know, it was hard to see. So it was was just giving back is just always something that's been in my blood. You know, my dad, he was always somebody that gave back and, you know, poured into the community. And, you know, I just I just want to follow those footsteps.
1: No, oh, that's awesome to hear. And, you know, you talk about giving back and and this game. I know it means a lot to you having a chance to talk to you a, a couple of times, you know, to call the games and then just following your story, man. Like you've just been a fun story to follow along with. When you look at what the game has done for you and what you've actually been through in the game, does that make you have a greater appreciation for the position that you're in now?
0: Yeah, for sure. It's a much greater appreciation, you know, just going through all the things I've been through, you know, for anybody, you know, that's that's nothing that anybody wants or want to say that, oh, I want to go through this. But, right. you know, uh, I know that everything happened for a reason. And, you know, battles come with scars. And, yep. you know, for me, I, I knew I had to, you know, continue to bounce back because I had people that was looking up to me, like my little brothers, and, you know, it was bigger than myself. So it was always yep. – in my mind that I was gonna bounce back and, you know, come back and give my all.
1: No doubt about it. So to, to get into that a little bit, you know, it actually surprised me that you actually initially committed to Tennessee coming Mm -hmm. out of high school. Right. uh, And then you ended up going to Indiana. So before we talk about Indiana, what happened there with the commitment in Tennessee?
0: Yeah. So uh, I was committed to Tennessee for like almost two years now, Uh, not now, but back then, but for like almost two years. And it was crazy. It was like a couple weeks before, Signing, they they it was new coaching staff came in and they're like they had a guy that they wanted already before, so you know they they basically took away my offer and oh. you know, um, the way I landed at Indiana was because Coach Nick Sheridan and Mike Deboard yep. was at Tennessee when I originally cu- committed there. Okay, okay. And they were at Indiana, you know, so that's
1: how I got there. But the Tennessee thing was crazy. No, <laughs> oh, I mean <laughs> Tennessee. I mean they kind of not kind of they definitely missed out. Uh, on an opportunity to have a player like yourself, I'm sure they were happy with Hidden Hooker last year. Uh, mm-hmm. But just imagine you in in that system—you'd probably be doing the same thing that you're doing right now with with Kaylin DeBoer there in Washington. But you're the first freshman at Indiana to start the opening game since Antoine Randall L in 1998. Uh, just talk a little bit about that process and and what it was like getting on campus and and kind of you know putting your best foot forward right away to get that starting job?
0: So, actually, it was my red shirt freshman year.
1: Oh, okay.
0: um, You know, still technically a freshman. Right. But, yeah, so my um, true freshman year, I didn't start. You know, as a guy ahead of me, you know, just developing and stuff like that, you know, for for myself. And I ended up getting injured that year, you know, in 2018, which is my true freshman year. Right. But then getting some uh, work in the offseason, you know, being able to get back, Back healthy again, you know, I was able to compete and wanted a starting job. But, you know, it, like like I said, it took a lot of hard work. And, right. you know, coming from an ACL injury, I couldn't really do spring or, you know, as much stuff as I wanted to. And I had a new OC come in that year, Coach DeBoer. I was just coming off an injury, and he's installing a new playbook and spring ball, but I'm not really out there to get the reps. But, you know, just trying to take as much mental reps as possible. So whenever my opportunity did come, I was able to, you know, go out there and shine.
1: Yeah. So, like, you know, we talked about this before, but the, one of the craziest parts of your story is that those four years at Indiana, every single one of them ended with a season ending injury. Right. Yeah. You know, drastic. Yeah. I think it was two ACLs, uh, yeah, shoulder two injury, two and two shoulder injuries. So yeah. it's like for you to keep coming back each time. Uh, and learning new systems and learning new players, but always putting yourself in position to be, to be the guy again. Like, what was the driving force during that time to keep you just coming back after all those injuries?
0: And number one is God, you know, um, you know, obviously, you know, him being there, um, being there in my life all the time. And I'm always, you know, talking to him, you know, in those hard times, but, you know, it was rough. But for me to be able to come back, you know, I knew it it took a lot of, you know, determination and will and, you know, but, I always say my wives, my little brothers, you know, one of the reasons why why I came back and always was able to, you know, come back even stronger because I'm thinking about, you know, how, how they're going to look at their big brother, you know, and I want them to see me as an uh, overachiever and somebody that's going to, you know, persevere through any type of hardship. So, you know, I, I knew I couldn't give up on myself, even though, you know, it was times where it did get hard, but. You know, I was always able to push through and
1: um, I'm just blessed. You know, as quarterbacks, we 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 study, right? We, we do our mm-hmm. homework. And I read a story uh, where you were talking about, um, you know, you were going through these tough times at Indiana and your roommate would leave before the games in 2021. And I don't want to tell a story. I want you to share uh, what you're willing to share. But just to dive deeper into some of those things that were going on, things that you may have been questioning about yourself, uh, through that, those injury and that injury process, uh, if you don't mind,
0: I was really still trying to find myself, you know, in yeah. a way, you know, because I, I always saw myself as just football guy, you know, just right. uh, football was my life. And, you know, I had to realize that, you know, I'm, I'm more than just a football player, you know, I have a purpose, you know, on this earth, other than that, you know, and, right. you know, one of them is to serve people. And that's what I was, uh, trying to do as much as I could all throughout my journey. And, um, but just understanding that, you know, I just had to, you know, continue to find find what was, you know, um, there to always drive me and it was right. my family for the most for the most part. But, uh, you know, it, it was a lot. It was a lot that went into it. Um, it's
1: crazy. Yeah. You know, you talk about it. And um, I know just for myself, when it came to those injuries and a lot of players struggle with this, whether they want to admit it or not, but like finding your identity outside of the game. You yeah. know, because everything we've ever done has been tied to how many, how many yards you throw for, how many touchdowns did you score, right. uh, you know, th- did you win the, you know, lead the game-winning drive in the fourth quarter. Um, right. And when that's all taken away from you, whether it's injury or, you know, guys in the NFL and then when it's retirement or whatever happens, finding that identity afterwards is hard. What did you use to try to bridge that gap during the times when you couldn't play? also knowing that you weren't gonna give up.
0: Man, just support, you know, support around me. And to even dive in deeper to that last question, you know, a part that, you know, not not too many people knew. It was like the part of me when I was talking about um, my roommate leaving game day and, you know, I was just having moments in my room, you know, by myself, you know, crying to God, it was it was it was tough for me twenty twenty one because you know, a lot of people don't know, like, I came in, that was the year after my second ACL tear. And, you know, coming into the season, um, my doctor, he was telling me that, you know, everything was good. Like, it, it was up to me on how I felt if I wanted to play. And literally, like, a week, no, the Monday of the first game, the Monday of the first game of the season, man, my the doctor calls and he's basically telling me, like, for him, he hasn't cleared me and he feels like, you know, I should probably take some time. But it, it was a conversation before where, um you know, I, I thought I thought I was ready. And, you know, but so it was a lot of things that was going through my head at the same time. So it was gotcha. like real hard for me. And, you know, just hearing that information that little time, you know, I, I was I'm a competitor. And like, I'm like either way, like I'm playing like I feel good. So, right. Me, I felt good. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go play. But deep down, it was like, you know, I remember what he said. And I was like, yeah, if I get injured again, you know, it was, it was going to be real tough on me. So, you know, I had a lot of uh, thoughts that I was battling at that time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been there, right? Tore my ACL twice. <clears throat> same knee. Uh, broke my ankle. Uh, also broke my shoulder. <laughs> and it's like when I read that story, I'm like, and I hear you talk about it today. I'm like, man, I've been there, man. Like. You feel like you're doing everything right. You know, you cold tubbing, you getting all your reps in the weight room, you doing your homework. And for whatever reason, something just goes wrong out of nowhere. Um, I tell people that all the time, like the amount of work football players put into something is no different than the work that people are putting into their normal lives. And sometimes it's just not your moment at that certain time. Right. But it could help you later on in life to be the best. Right. For me right now, it's in the media. All that hard work I put in and not quitting when I was a player has made me a better analyst. All the work that you put in at Indiana has made you a better football player now that you're healthy playing at Washington. For you, that covid year has now allowed you to come back for a sixth year at Washington uh, how did you use that time to help to continue to develop your game?
0: Yeah, um just the off season was crazy, you know. like I said, this was twenty twenty two off season was so um in twenty twenty two from January to you know the season, you know, that was my first offseason since I was a freshman. So, you know, that, that season I was able to, you know, get the most done since I was a freshman, you know, in the off season as far as taking care of my body and you know, staying on top of stuff like that. So you know, coming into 2022 season, I felt very fresh, like the most fresh I felt, you know, in a while. So, you know, being able to have the the offseason, you know, I feel like it definitely helped me get better with my strength and conditioning and stuff like that. And, you know, I feel like um, it definitely changed. But as far as COVID, like, yeah, giving me that extra year, you know, allowing me to be here this year, you know, it, it definitely is, is a blessing, you know, and, and to have all my teammates come back as well. You know, it's good as
1: well. Yeah, no, talk about that. Um, Because I know when we called the game for you guys at Boise, talking to Coach DeBoer, talking to the offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, it was like, hey, Mike coming back is why Rome came back. It's why a bunch of our other guys came back to really not just chase championships, but have a championship mindset. Because you guys, you know, you helped turn this team around. Uh, with your teammates, of course, but you guys went from four and eight the previous year to 11 and two. But the number one thing you guys said is we didn't win any championships. Right. right. We didn't we didn't win the Pac-12. We didn't we weren't in the running for the college football playoff at that time. So right. why do you think it is that that you came back and how special was it for you to see all your guys come back with you?
0: Yeah, you know, that's definitely a reason. And, you know, also for me, just I feel like, you know, I just wanted another year uh, to develop in the offense with these guys as well. You know, understanding that you know we was all gonna be coming back. You know, um, just giving all this opportunity to you know in, in increase our level of play and increase our um, you know our IQ in the game. You know, so it was definitely a, a positive and a win-win and in, and uh, in every way. But you know, I just feel like it was, it was just something that we always felt was right. And like you said, not winning no championships last year, eleven and two was good. But yeah, we 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 had goals at the beginning of the year, and I was winning the Pac-12 and all that. So it's like we didn't, we didn't truly achieve what we wanted to, but, you know, just to have another opportunity to do that, you know, we wanted to come back and, you know, work for it.
1: One thing that you just sparked in my head was something that was mentioned during that broadcast of the game for Washington-Boise State. You brought up to us in the meeting that you all came back and now you guys were able to continue to build upon what you did last year. And I kind of described it like – If you know the play, right, and the receiver knows what he's supposed to run, that was last year. Well, this year, it's like you both know the play, but the receiver now isn't really focused on the route that he's running. He's focused on the defense. He's focused on, hey, how's Mike going to see this? Because I've had a thousand repetitions at this play with him, and I can kind of get in the quarterback's head. Talk about that process with your wideouts, especially in a system that's as – I would say option and choice based as you guys have there at Washington.
0: Yeah, man, it just make us help us play more fluent, you know, and just you know have a better understanding of the field and and the game, you know, and the way you explained it was (laughs) perfect, you know, and another thing I'll say is, you know, just um, as far as play calling, you know, as well, understanding situations and sequences, you know, in the game and stuff like that, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I I probably had an understanding of that last year, you know, more than some of the other guys because I've yep. been in the offense and, you know, I've seen all these plays against all these different coverages. So, you know, I was kind of ahead in that in that stance. But, you know, for those guys being our first year and how well they did and picked up on the offense, you know, it was amazing. But, you know, I knew that it was another level that we could get to based on, you know, just, you know, understanding why Coach Grubb is calling a play, you know, based on the down and distance, you know, and the situation that we're in. You know, and I feel like the guys have been doing an amazing job with that this year, and it's allowing us to, to play a lot smoother, a lot faster, I feel
1: like. Yeah, I try to tell people all the time, like, knowing what your coach is going to call before he calls that play yeah. is an advantage as a quarterback, because right. you you honestly feel like you just ace the test, yeah. right? It's 3rd and 5. <laughs> I'm coming to the line or going to the huddle. I already know what he's going to call. He calls it. I'm like, I was already on that. Yeah. It makes you more confident as a QB when you go into the huddle, go to the line of scrimmage, and do all those things. But a big reason you were able to to be that last year and kind of carry that over into this year with all the success you guys are having is because of the transfer portal. Yeah. So, like, what is your feeling as a guy that's still in college about the transfer portal and what it has become based off your own experience?
0: Yeah, from my experience, it's amazing. It changed my life, you know, in plenty of ways. But, you know, it's something that that's meant for the player. And I feel like... You know, when it comes to the transfer portal, you know I don't feel like people in the outside world should be able to judge or you know, you know um, feel like feel like somebody is doing something wrong because they wanted to leave you know their situation because people don't really understand you know what what they're going through and the reason why they did it you know and um you know so it, I feel like it's definitely a good thing you know and you know it's it helped a lot of people across the country you see a lot of guys like you know um, we talk about all the Pac-12 quarterbacks this year you know. <laughs> I believe almost everyone, you know, except for the freshmen that starting across the Pac-12, you know, every every one of us are, are transfers, you know, so it's it definitely helped a lot. Uh, a lot of people, you know, find their home and, you know, be able to, you know, um, increase their abilities on the field.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. And, and talking about that, that conversation for you specifically with Coach DeBoer, I said this last year that, He's a coach that I would love to play for. What was it about him that made you feel comfortable going from Indiana all the way to the West Coast to go play at UW?
0: The way he helped me prepare, you know, I feel like my preparation was, you know, out the roofs, and you know, it was just like every time I went up to the to the um, ball, you know, before the snap, I already knew like. I pretty much already knew where the ball was going to go, you know, based on, you know, what look I got from the defense, you know, and just to be able to prepare that, to, that much and allow you to go out there and play fast like that, you know, I feel like it's something that I wanted to, you know, have again. So I had to come.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, continuing that conversation you just brought up about the Pac-12 QBs, uh, for you as a guy that is in the Pac-12, how, I mean, I know it's like it's only two years for you, but to see, the conference disbanded pretty much. How? What's your feelings about that, and about U Dub going to the Big Ten?
0: You know, I feel like I don't know. I really don't know to be honest. You know, it, as far as you know, what went into it and stuff like that. You know, that that's not something for me to judge on that side of it. But you know, I feel like it's an opportunity. You know, and um, to allow us to be able to play play these other teams. You know, teams that you know. Um, you, you see a lot winning, winning a lot of football games, you know, in the big 10 and that competition level is, is amazing. You know, I feel like it's, it's going to be something great. And I always say, I know the dogs will be ready. So, um, <laughs> you know, I won't be there, but you know, but the guys, they're, they're definitely, uh, super excited for it I know that but
1: I know they. the one thing they talk about is the traveling that's it though <laughs> the travel gonna is crazy man. that's going to be some long fight. So you telling me you, you, you can't come back for a seventh year You you, you they're not going to find another year for you somewhere in there yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> listen I'm, I talked to Coach DeBoer about that I really did he said I wish I could get him back for another year but you know I, I really do believe you know with what you're doing and I know you're going to continue to stay focused you, you're going to be a top 10 pick man and your decision to come back Uh, was was certainly the right one because you you know you want to show that you can stay healthy I know you've said that before Um, but also to just do what you're doing with your teammates I think you guys have the best receiving core in the country it starts with Roman Dunze and what is it about Rome that makes him like rise to the occasion when he's the man in the arena and it's his opportunity to make those plays what is it about him that makes him so special
0: Man, it's just the person he is and his work work habits. He's the same guy every day. You know, you got somebody like that. You know, it's somebody that you can trust and somebody that's gonna be right there by your side through every step of the way. So you know, he's a guy that comes in practice and he's gonna give 100 percent effort every play. You know, and you know he he shows that he wants to be great each and every day, and that allows him to show that showcase that on the field so everybody else can see. But we see it every day.
1: All right, Mike, you ever thought about like dyeing your hair blonde like mm. like Rome? <laughs> no, I ain't doing that. <laughs> I mean, got, he's, he's had a couple different ones. I don't know. Has he only been blonde while you've nah, been there? Uh, you done? Yeah, I think he was red before I got there. Exactly. Uh, you talk about him being, uh, you know, basically approaching the game the right way. How does that rub off on the other guys? Because it's not just him. You got Jalen Polk. You got Jalen McMillan. You got Jeremy Bernard. Uh, you got Giles Jackson that just came back. Like, what do each one of those guys do extremely well
0: man it's it's all of them they they compete with each other each and every day and they push each other you know every rep you know they, they're always pushing each other if somebody not doing something right you know somebody's going to say something and they're going to push and challenge each other and you know and those guys truly love each other in that room and you know you got a whole room full of unselfish guys you know guys that don't care who get the credit who, who don't care who scores or not get the ball so it's like You know, you see somebody that, uh, a room that's like that and as talented as they are, you know, the sky's the limit.
1: No doubt about it. You must be licking your chops every time you go to the line of scrimmage with them dogs out there with you, especially in man coverage. Talk talk to the people at home about that. When you see man coverage on really any guy on your team that you feel like, hey, this is a matchup we need to attack this week, what goes through your head?
0: I'm throwing it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm throwing it. Don't do it.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We always called it one-on-none. All yeah. right? One-on-one coverage is one-on-none. You should be feel disrespected as a wide receiver exactly. if anybody thinks they can cover you one-on-one. Now, let's go ahead and get to the conversation about this game, man. Unbelievable Heisman moment for you. You know, I know that you don't pay attention too much to everything that's going on, on the outside, but I've been singing your praises and your team's praises since last year. But to watch what you guys did against Oregon, to see you go 22 for 37 for 302 yards and four touchdowns, the way you did it, I mean, we're talking about the Pac-12 not being there anymore after this year. It's those types of performances that make you wonder like, wow, are we going to get these in the future? Even though I know you'll continue to to, to play against Oregon, or should I should have said you dub will continue to play against Oregon. But just what's your overall thoughts about the game uh, that you want to share?
0: It was amazing, you know, and it was just, you know, so much that went into, you know, that week, you know, and also, you know, having a bye week as well, you know, just understanding that we we were going to have a a tough game ahead of us and we knew that we were going to have to execute, you know, the whole game and we we couldn't let up at all. And, you know, we feel like, to be honest, we feel like in the third quarter we had a stretch where you know we we weren't able to move the ball, and we feel like we were making a lot of you know self inflicted you know mistakes, and you know it, it caused us to you know be closer in that game than what we we would want to. But you know they're a football, good football team, and they're gonna make plays. So it was it was a long game, a tough game, but the whole way we we knew that we had with a to uh, come out with a win.
1: What was going through your mind when you saw Oregon go for it on fourth down instead of punting and pinning you guys deep?
0: Man, I was like, that is crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. It's <laughs> crazy, you know, but, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know. But I, pre- I appreciate them for that. <laughs> and uh, our defense, you know, just knowing that we had that fourth down, we knew that the defense was right. going to be able to get off the field and, you know, uh, get us the ball back in. That's what we was preaching up and down the sidelines the whole time. Like, be ready. We got, we got another opportunity coming. And, you know, we got to go out and make the best of it. And we knew that we had what it took. So, you know, to see them go for it and, and the defense make that huge stop, you know, we knew that, you know, we had that chance. So we had to go take it.
1: Without a doubt. So then are you manifesting it in that moment? Or is that just like, this is my space. I'm with my guys. I'm comfortable. And just all parts of you are coming out.
0: No, I feel like it was just in the moment, you know, just with my guys and just, you know, no, no fear, and no worry about, you know, what what was going to happen, you know, and just trusting in our defense. And, you know, like I said, that's an everyday thing for us. So it's like, I, I get in those situations or, you know, the rest of the team, we, we know that, you know, we got what it takes. So it, it's nothing for us to be tense or anything about, you know, because we, we've done it before. And, um, I guess I was just loose. I was just ready to go back
1: out. Oh, you were definitely loose. And, like, for me, as a quarterback who's been in moments like that, I, I understand it. You know, 2011, back corner touchdown to Terrence Williams against Oklahoma to win the game. Like, I remember that moment like it's the back of my hand. I think this is a moment that you will remember for the rest of your playing days. But to most people at home who don't get to experience that, they don't understand how you can remain cool, calm, and collected in that environment. What is it about you and what you've been through that helped you stay calm in that moment?
0: Man, you know, I, I just always say it's just, it's the same game I've been playing since I was five years old, you know, and, you know, I, I just understand that and understand, you know, it, it's football at the end of the day, you know, somebody got to win, somebody got to lose, you know, but, you know, I just knew that I was gonna do whatever I could to make sure my uh, my team came out with a win. So uh, it's just football, and you know, I don't I don't really feel pressure, you know, in in no moments. I don't really get uh, nervous and stuff like that. You know, it's just it's just another day. It's something that I've been doing all my life. So it's go out there and perform.
1: And in two throws, you pretty much win the game. Like, talk to me about that that thirty five yard seam throw. Uh, and then we'll get to the last play. But just what did you see on that play that lets you know, all right, he's going to be open right down the seam. I got to hit him.
0: It was like a double move with um, our number two guy. And our number three guy was running like an out-breaking route. So um, they're in like a, I'll say a quarter's look, kind of a quarter's look. And the safety, the safety, I saw him with eyes on number three. And when number three broke out, he started to break on number three until he saw me throw the ball. And he he saw me start to throw the ball, and he saw a guy starting to run by him. So he tried to recover. But at that time, it was too late. Like, he wasn't going to be able to track the ball. So as soon as I saw him flinch and, and step down to number three, running the out route, you know, I, it was just no hesitation, you know, just trusting my guy with the ball in the air.
1: Beautiful throw, by the way. Like, you, you threaded the needle all the time with the way you throw the football. Uh, and I've noticed that on tape. You know, you're, you you t- you tend to be ahead of the defense so that they can't react. Like, even if, they, if he thought he, the number three was going to run the out, it was like, you're already too late, buddy. Yeah. I already know where I'm going with this. But then I heard so, Little Birdie told me that you actually checked the next play with a touchdown pass to Roma Dunze on the back shoulder. Is that true?
0: Uh, in a way, in a way. Okay, um, okay. So the play that we called, we was actually trying to get the ball out to the right. You know, just hoping we got numbers um to the field. But, you know, once I saw the one-on-one and the safety, I knew that the safety wanted to try to help um, over the guy, but he was trying to disguise too much and just sitting on the hash too long. And, you know, with that action going to the field, you know, I knew that I had one-on-one backside, so I just gave him a fade. I just gave him a fade route. and. No, we just we just made it happen, you know, and the safety he was he was too late to help his guy. So
1: So Yeah, he was trying to yeah, listen, man. You disguise, (laughs) you gotta make sure you get over there. Yeah. But it was it was that throw is like I don't want to say it's your signature throw because I don't think I think you have all the throws. I think they're all signature throws for you. And I'm not just saying that to you, I say it to everybody that talks to me about you. But the back shoulder is something that you were just like, man, <laughs> you know when to throw it, you know how to throw it, you know where to put it at. What what makes you. What is the decision making process there for you when it comes to just the, the simple back shoulder fade?
0: It's just reps. You know, I'm not going to say the whole decision making process of. You know how I want to throw it. <laughs> I, I can't, you. Give can't, give, can't give away any secrets. I <laughs> can't give I got out too much you. information, but you know, <laughs> a lot of them been back shoulder. You know, but I can't put it over the shoulder. So don't don't try to like double play me. <laughs> so uh, you know, so it's like oh, just repetition. You know, just reps. You know, every time we get one on ones, you know, we get red zone stuff, and we just throwing fades. You know, against our DBs, and you know, just um, working working that with each other. You know, for the defense and, and for us as well. And, you know, just getting that timing down, getting that rhythm down. So whenever uh, we get to the game, I-, I know where to put the ball.
1: I have to tell this one story from last year. Uh, one of the one of your running backs who has, like, one of the greatest, you know, names, in my opinion, Wayne Twalapapa. You threw him a back shoulder against Michigan State.
0: Yeah.
1: And when I, I, when I saw you, it was like a heat-seeking missile. He yeah. had no choice but to catch it. Yeah. That's how hard you threw the football. But – What what shocked me or what I say what really rose to my the front of my brain was that's a running back. Mm. You threw that back shoulder to a running back perfectly and I know papa has got good hands, but for you is it you trust the guys around you it seems but you trust him even more because you have a ultra confidence that you can be accurate with the football where, where does that come from
0: that's reps as well you know cuz even on that play i knew that he wasn't going to give me eyes until you know uh, he got the 15 yards and you know it's, i threw it right whenever right before he got the 15 yards so when he got there you know he was going to uh get his eyes back and see it you know but um just being being in my rhythm and just being comfortable in the game you know he was actually my on that play, he was my he was my third or fourth read on that play. So, you know, just being able to get through through my reads and uh see the defense and uh just understanding where we're all gonna be at. And that's like I said, um, uh, you know, that's something that's built built more over this year as well, you know, as far as us being in the second year. But, you know, Wayne is a, a talented player and he was a guy that that did everything right, you know, to be honest. And he, he pushed himself and, you know, everybody uh pushed each other as well. So he, he made a big time catch.
1: I like it. I like it. So let's talk about some some players that you maybe model your game after. Like, who were the guys that you watched as you were growing up in this game uh, that you like? Ah, I really I really like this guy. I want to study him and, and figure out what I can add to my own game from him.
0: Growing up, it was like Mike Vick. You know, when I was a kid, he was a guy that everybody watched. And, you know, he was a guy that made all those big time plays on the field. You know, I always say Mike Vick, um, but he was, he was like one of the main guys, you know, had the Mike Vick cleats, you know, um, had those <laughs> until until they didn't fit no more. <laughs> but um, as far as like growing up, like as I got older, it was like nobody. I really modeled my game out there. You know, I, I watched the, like guys all all across, you know, and, you know, I was just a fan of football. And, you know, for me, I was a—I was a guy that was outside. So I probably was outside more than I really watched football. <laughs> I feel like I started watching football more whenever I got to, around the high school level. Never had a favorite team, never had a favorite player.
1: Really? Just, okay, that's I, not,
0: just, I just like football.
1: That's that's interesting cuz I know you grew up in Tampa, right? You went to yeah. Tampa Technical High. Yep. Um which is kind of it's kind of funny cuz you're like one of the the best technical quarterbacks in college football right now. <laughs> but um so you weren't a Bucks fan and no. you have no NFL allegiances. So really you're a blank slate. I mean, that, that should improve your draft stock. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> and, you know, just reading up on your story, uh, just want to give you an opportunity to just talk about how impactful uh, mom and dad have been for you in your life. And I, I heard there was 22 family members at the game, this Oregon game. Mm-hmm. Talk about just your mom and dad and just how influential they've been for you in this, in this journey.
0: Yeah, man, their, their support is, you know, endless and it's crazy. You know, they, they've been supporting me and my, the whole family, you know, all my life, you know, and they've always been there, you know, for our games and, you know, try their best to, to make it to every game for us. And, you know, it, it's it's part that, you know, um, it's unconditional love. And, you know, to have that, you know, I'm, I'm truly blessed. And, you know, I think and appreciate them so much for it.
1: No, I mean, that's it's beautiful. Beautifully said. Uh, I just want all the parents out there that are listening to understand that how, how you support your kids and the things that they want to do has life-changing impact on them. And clearly, your mom and dad have had a life-changing impact on you, and you've had a life-changing – and I say life-changing, and I don't mean that by hyperbole, but you've had a life-changing impact on Washington and really anyone that's been around you. Like we talked about before, you helped Washington go from 4-8 and to 11-2 and last year. This year, uh, so far what you've done uh, this season, putting yourself in in the driver's seat for the Heisman, Uh, obviously putting your team in the position to go win a Pac-12 championship and be in the college football playoff race. I'm a firm believer that NIL has changed the game and you mentioned it allowing you to give back, Uh, but it's also the name, image, and likeness of the players that add to the value of the schools. It's no longer just... I don't think it ever was, but I think there was a perception that the school was the one that was providing the value Um, for you. You've seen all the stuff about players getting paid, whether it be through NCAA, whether it be through NIL or from the television networks. Do you think that players should get a piece of the pie of the TV money that these networks are giving out to the conferences?
0: Man, as much money as the players can get, you know, I'm for it. You know, um, I feel like the guys, and I just understand what we go through each and every day, you know, the off-season grind, and, you know, to be able to perform for, you know, just 11 guaranteed, I mean, 12 guaranteed games, you know, it's a lot that we put into it, you know, year-round. So, you know, I feel like we do a lot, you know, and we we definitely, it's definitely a blessing that we're able to get that NIL money. And, you know, it sucks that it didn't come earlier, you know, for some guys like you, man, you would have been a <laughs> big dog, you know, husband, you know, so it's like, you know, but uh, it's something that has been talked about a lot for a long time. But, you know, I feel like it's definitely good. But as far as the TV money, you know, I, I really don't have no judge in it, but as much money as the players can get, you know, based on what they deserve and what people truly from their heart, you know, feel like and understand that they deserve, you know, I feel like it's necessary.
1: Yeah. I think you're spot on there. And you mentioned it earlier, you said like the travel that players have to deal with once your, your former teammates have to go to the big 10 and travel across the country, you know, weeks at a time to go play these away games. I I really do feel like it's going to impact the mental health of student athletes. And you know, this from everything you went through uh, there at Indiana, everything you went through, even before with Tennessee pulling the offer, like, The amount of things that student athletes have to deal with, not just from class, but from sports, from the some call it like the politicalness of like when they're playing or whatever is going on, constantly knowing that there's somebody else coming coming from behind to, to replace them. All those stresses are happening at the same time. And now we're just increasing that by having the athletes have to travel more. But I'll make this statement and I appreciate you answering the question because I think it's impactful coming from a guy in your position that's still playing in college football. But I think that whatever TV network decides to cut the players in and give them a portion of that TV revenue will not only change college football forever, but I think they'll own it because now Mm -hmm. all the players are going to want to go play at that conference, right? Right. If it's the big 12 or the big 10 or the SEC or whatever it may be, ESPN, go ahead Mm -hmm. and start trying to get those negotiations with the players and cut them in on those TV deals because then you're going to get an influx of players understanding that this is the network that understands we are the brand. It's right. not the colleges that are the brand. It's the players. The players make the brand more valuable. And you've certainly done that at Washington. Yeah, man.
0: Like, What, what helped you get through your stuff? You know, you asked me about my injury. You know, what helped you?
1: Uh, same answer, to be quite honest. God. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't remember this, Mike, but I tore my ACL. In 2009 at Baylor for the first time, but because I wasn't quite a household name, people forgot it. Well, I had the same experience you did. I'm sitting there. I'm crying on the ground you know, asking God, like, why me? Yeah. And we all have that moment. Like, it's OK to have that moment. It's about what you do afterwards that truly matters. But I had two weeks of it, bro. Two weeks of sitting there saying, why me? Uh, you know, like I said, doing everything that I was supposed to do, studying film, running, lifting, being respectful to my parents. Right. Honor their mother and father. Right. And it just gave out. Me gave out. And when you say what got me through it, it was after that two weeks. Uh, I didn't love football before that injury in 2009. Watching my teammates go to practice, laughing, giggling, you know how it is as they're going Ooh. out and. about to go have a good time. Right. It Mm. makes you miss everything that you were a part of. So I made a decision after those two weeks that I wasn't going to be the reason that I wasn't successful. I wasn't going to be the reason that I couldn't come back. And I knew that God had put it in my life for me to overcome this challenge because there was something greater ahead. Now, I didn't know that that greater ahead was a Heisman Trophy two years later, but if I had never Had those injuries, I would have never appreciated the game the way that I did after the injury. So I'm very thankful to God, very thankful to my parents for helping guide me through that uh, and helping me stay strong. Because I'll tell you, man, I was watching the game after the game Two two things after the game. Right. One was your speech that you gave to Holly Rowe. Man, that blew me away because it's like in your biggest moment of the season. All you were prepared to talk about was how thankful to God you were and how thankful you were for your teammates and how thankful you were for your family. I I know that that was natural for you, but man, you nailed it. You truly nailed that interview and brought people in in that moment to understand exactly what was going on in your mind. And the second thing was I saw the prayer warriors on the sideline, man. Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, I don't don't know who it was that was hugging. I think it was mom and them, but I could, I could feel the prayer and the energy coming from that moment. Just how much did that mean to you uh, as a player to have your family there and to experience that with them?
0: Yeah, man, it meant a lot. And I knew that once we won that game, I knew my grandma and my mom, they was running down somewhere. So, um, you know, I I was was trying to find them, you know, I knew they was going to find, they found me, but, uh, that was amazing, you know, to have have that many fans and, you know, families there, you know, to to support us in one of the biggest moments, you know, of um Husky, Husky Nation, you know. So it's like it was amazing to be a part of and, you know, it was it was an amazing day all around.
1: No doubt. So I can't leave here until we talk about this next week. Right. So now you guys are moving forward to go up against Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they're one in five. You guys are coming off a huge emotional win against one of the other powerhouse teams in the Pac-12. And now you're going into this game, which many people would say is a trap game for you, right? You don't want to have a letdown. You don't want to decrease the intensity that which you guys play. So what's your message for your team this week going up against Arizona State?
0: Just treating every game the same, you know, and just going out there and dominating and be ready to dominate. You know, and it started, started on Monday, you know, practice and, you know, make sure we that we come in with that attitude and that same mindset that we did last week or the week before, you know, just making sure that we attack each and every game with the same mentality, understanding that, you know, um, you know, greatness takes growth. And, you know, we can't be the same team that we were this past weekend. So it's like we got to make sure that we continue to keep those steps and, you know, have that one and know mentality.
1: I love the way you say that because I, I agree with you. You can't approach any other team as if they're not – You know, a team that you got to go run through, which is exactly Mm. what you guys, how you approach the game against Oregon. Now, you guys, I think you're on a 13 game winning streak. So let's go ahead and keep that winning streak rolling with these rapid fire questions. So first question is, what is football math?
0: What is football math? If you got three receivers and it's two guys over there,
1: you might want to work that side. (laughs) 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 <laughs> That's the truth. You got hey. to have numbers, right? Yeah. You got to have yep. numbers to one side or not. Who are your top three rappers right now? Right now, why, Jim.
0: That's who I'm okay. telling you about. Kodak, my all-time number one. You know, so he, he got to still be a okay. top three. Florida boy, I hear you. I hear you. But as of right now, I was going like, to give him two and then um, Rob Wave. Rob Wave. Okay, okay. You know, first thing I get on the bus, you know, I always got to give God the glory. So that's going to be, I'm going to listen to a gospel song first. You know, while the gospel song playing, I'll, I'll pray. And then I as I wrap up my prayer, I'm like, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Because, you know, <laughs> I, I know that I'm going to sin again. I'm not perfect. And, and I know that I'm about to turn on some wild music right after. So it's like, forgive me for this. But, you know, I, I, I'm always going to you first. So. Who is
1: winning a fight? You or the kangaroo that's been going viral online uh, hey, who hemmed up the dog? Have you seen that video yet? Yeah, I've seen that, uh, bro.
0: I'm gonna give it to that kangaroo.
1: <laughs> go give it to the kangaroo.
0: Man, you ever seen they, they muscles? Them kangaroos rip, them kangaroos
1: strong. <laughs> and then the last one for you, who are the top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now?
0: You gotta put Pat Mahomes in there. Pat Mahomes, number one, easy, exactly.
1: Right? Number one,
0: I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Allen. Okay. Lamar.
1: Ooh, beast.
0: Oh, yeah, you have to put two in there right Lefty, right now, lefty right now
1: he, he's balling. Just want to say to you, man, appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate you really diving into the things that you've gone through to get to this point, point. and I know for a fact that you're going to continue to go out the rest of the year and do big things. Uh, have a great time, and I know the listeners to the podcast are going to truly enjoy this conversation and be rooting for you for the rest of the year, my guy. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. HelloFresh is more than just dinners. You can also stock your fridge with easy breakfasts, quick lunches and fresh snacks because, you know, your body is a temple and you don't want to look like a snack. You want to eat good snacks too. just shop at HelloFresh market and add any of these tasty time saving solutions to your weekly box. The weekly box when you get HelloFresh. You know you're getting top-notch produce since it travels from the farm to your door in less than seven days. Go to HelloFresh.com backslash 50RG3 and use code 50RG3 for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. What? Listen. Go to HelloFresh.com backslash 50RG3 and use that code 50RG3 for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. I mean, you can't kick that deal. Come on, go get it. This episode of RG3 and the Ones is sponsored by BetterHelp. To be one of one, you got to make sure you're staying on top of your mental health and getting the help you need to keep on changing the game. Your mental health is important and it should be a priority. So with BetterHelp, it has professionals and it's affordable and it's convenient. But not only that, it's effective. BetterHelp offers you therapy that is convenient from a large range of licensed therapists. And all you have to do is pay a low, flat fee for your sessions. Like many athletes, you may find yourself always on the go. And BetterHelp's mission is to make sure anyone can get the help they need anytime, anywhere. Go get the help you need to become the best version of yourself with BetterHelp by going to betterhelp.com backslash RG3 and you can get started today, but also receive 10% off your first month of therapy. Once again, go get the help that you need to become the best version of yourself. You are worth it. And with BetterHelp, you can go to betterhelp.com backslash RG3 and get started today. You will also receive that 10% off your first month of therapy. Wow. What an incredible conversation that was with Mr. Michael Penix Jr. AKA Mr. Big Penix energy himself. Want to thank him for coming on RG three and the ones. But now I want to tell you guys a little story. The life of a backup quarterback in the NFL. I mentioned how it's like being a, you know, a therapist. Uh, I got two quick stories for you. One is about being a therapist. So we had Michael Crabtree, legendary wide receiver. We brought him in, brought in John Brown. Uh, we called him Smokey to be, you know, our one-two punch at the wide receiver spot with Joe Flacco. And then eventually Lamar Jackson was going to be be that guy that, that took it over. And Crabtree was a guy that was always used to a ton of targets, right? A volume target guy. You know, this is the same dude that, you know, I got into it with, I believe, was it a, a, a keep to Tlaib? Uh, and he got into it with uh, richard Sherman um you know just just a a type personality throw me the football type of receiver now I had the the blessing of watching Crabtree not only in high school but also in college he went to Texas Tech we Played against Tech, and Crabtree actually caught like a back shoulder fade. And I was like standing on the sideline because like when you played Michael Crabtree in college as an offensive guy, you also wanted to watch what he was doing on the field. So I was like front and center watching Michael Crabtree go to work. He catches his back shoulder fade right in front of me, you know, spins, catches it at the high point, gets his tiptoes in, you know, tiptoeing in his Jordans on the sideline, and he gets up. And he looks at me and he says, yeah, young fella, <laughs> I'm that guy. And I'm like, <laughs> you, you are that guy. Now, he embarrasses that day. I don't know exactly how many receiving yards he had, but he was a very tough cover. So when Crabtree came to Baltimore, I got to Baltimore at the same time. You know, I was, uh, we're talking about all these like moments and memories. And at one point, Crabtree just wasn't getting the targets that he wanted. Uh, from the receiver spot, and it was understandable. You know, they paid him a bunch of money to come in there, and, and uh, you know, this is supposed to be his next opportunity uh, to to get you know more money and make more plays and continue his his illustrious career. So Crabtree actually had me. We played basketball every day after practice. Now I love basketball. You know, for all my high school people out there, I was a freshman starting on varsity on the on the basketball team. I got offers from Florida, from Baylor, from. Uh, from Kansas to play basketball coming out of high school and uh, you know, Crabtree was a, a dominant baller as well. So we had many, you know, horse pig uh, type of competitions in the gym. And it was m- my way and his way of being able to process everything that was going on for him uh, at that spot. Now, Crab, you know, d- it didn't work out there in Baltimore for Crabtree, but what I'm trying to explain is that that's, The job of a backup quarterback to do those types of things, things that may seem a little out of the ordinary or outside the box. That's your job to keep the team together, keep the team in line so that there are no holes in the team's relationship. You fill those holes. You don't separate them and become a cancer on your team. You have to be the guy that's bringing everyone back together. And I took pride in that. Uh, Sometimes that means that they're gonna ask you to do something that you're not used to doing. So I believe it was 2019 when Lamar was going on to win the unanimous MVP award, they asked me to play a little bit of receiver. I was playing the zebra receiver spot, which is the, the adjuster in the formation. You know, you got your X, your Z, and then that zebra F position guy that can move everywhere. And they just had me motion across the formation fake a jet sweep to me as a decoy to go ahead and get the first down with either a quarterback sneak or a quick handoff to the running back. And when they asked me to do it, I'm like, sure, you know, why not? I, I'd love to do it. It's, it's fun. Uh, so I ended up doing that, didn't get the ball, but that sparked something inside of me, right? So after that play, I believe we came up with a formation with Lamar myself, and Mark Ingram, and we called it the Heisman formation. And it was basically a triple option with three Heisman winners in the backfield. Something that I don't think had ever been done before in NFL history. So I'm sitting there. I haven't been an option running back since like high school, sophomore year when I was the backup quarterback on varsity at Copper High School, by the way, shout out Copper So Lamar, you know, fakes the dive to to Mark Ingram. And when he boots out, I'm like, wow, this guy is fast. We had done conditioning drills and people always ask me, hey, who's faster? You or Lamar? And I'm telling you right now, I am faster than Lamar. He is quicker, though, much quicker. Zero to 100. He gets to his his, uh, top speed faster. He's got much more wiggle than I did. But just long running, whether it's a 40, 60, 100, I'm the overall faster guy. And, of course, he will deny that. But what true competitor wouldn't? So Lamar takes off on this zone read triple option after the dive isn't there. He makes the right read and he goes. And for years, my own teammates would tell me, Rob, you got to slow down on the speed option because we can't stay in pitch relationship because you're running so fast. And I never took them seriously because I just felt like, you know, It's your job to stay in pitch relation. You got to get on your high horse and start rolling. Well, I definitely understood what they meant because when Lamar took off, I mean, he took off like a bat out of hell. And I was hauling ass trying to catch him, just running, running, running. And then he did the craziest thing, guys. He actually pitched the ball to me. (laughs) So as Lamar is pitching the ball and falling down, I'm running as fast as I can. And I just kind of scoop through it. Skate out of bounds for about an eight or nine yard gain, you know, positive play. That's all we needed to happen for the Heisman formation to actually work. And I'm thinking to myself, we have got ourselves something special cooking here. I'm talking Madden put it on the Madden game. It was all over social media popping up all over the place. Oh, they got the Heisman set. They got the Heisman formation. And then we never ran it again. Greg Roman. I gave him multiple plays after that to build off of this Heisman set and to incorporate this and get these three dynamic guys on the field all at the same time. And uh, yeah, he just, he didn't run it anymore. That's a wrap for episode five of RG3 and the Ones. Just want to say thank you to Michael Penix Jr. for joining us on the show. Thank you guys for listening. And make sure you subscribe to RG3 and the Ones YouTube channel so you can see all the new episodes that we have available. And of course, you got to make sure that you follow us on our social media handles at RG3 and the Ones because we're going to be dropping those clips like like it's hot every single day to get you excited about what's to come. So like I said, make sure you subscribe on YouTube, listen and subscribe wherever else you get your podcast. And I just have to say for all the people at home, this would not be possible if it wasn't for my people at Wave Sports and Entertainment in partnership with Whispering Oaks Productions. All my producers, thank you guys for doing all the work that you do behind the scenes to make RG3 and The Ones possible. We love you guys and this wouldn't be possible without you. Appreciate you. See you next week. Peace.